Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. We're just going to continue to honor the Lord Jesus till we get through this pandemic, and then we're going to honor the Lord Jesus after we get through this pandemic, and then we're going to honor the Lord Jesus until we get home. Amen? So let's just keep on keeping on, church. Uh, no COVID pandemic can cancel our Jesus, so we're just going to keep worshiping him. We'll pick up in verse 11 and a study that I've entitled, Ten Lepers. Now, you're, you're probably wondering, well, you know, I don't know that I want to hear about leprosy in light of a pandemic right now, but there is a beautiful picture that's here for us. And for some of you, it may be a bit challenging, and for others, it should be a tremendous encouragement. You, you see, as we turn our attention to what Jesus is doing He's on his way. In fact, we're going to be told that he's going towards Jerusalem there in verse 11. But as Jesus does this, as we've kind of highlighted these last several weeks, he's also reminding people of who he is and what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing. And this particular passage is so wonderful for us because it reminds us of several things, and not the least of which is really who we are uh, as believers in Christ. We were once, before we met Jesus, dead in our trespasses and sins. But he has made us alive. We're also told in Scripture why we're dead. We were dead because of sin. Our lives were governed by our fleshly nature. We used to walk as children in disobedience. We allowed those destructive forces of sin to, to take root and to cause and affect our lives. And so Jesus is now going to address this group of ten lepers. And you might say, well, I've never actually met a leper. And I think the point is, have you ever met a sinner? Have you ever been one? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? So the problem that's in view here is really one that affects all of us. And it's so important that we understand that Christ alone is the answer to our sin problem. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. Lord, thank you for touching my life, our lives collectively as the body of Christ. And for those who are here today and maybe do not yet know you, perhaps they're still walking unclean in this world. Their sins remain. They haven't experienced that forgiving flow of your blood washing over and your spirit doing that work in our lives. Pray that you would touch those who perhaps are listening right now or watching online and they're wondering how will they get through into this 
next world that we call eternity. And so, Lord, speak to us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 11 here in Luke 17. And now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through in the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And so Jesus takes up his journey. Remember, he's always traveling on foot. He has his disciples, the apostles, with him. So he's got these 12 men. And he's on the road. He's walking. And, and as you might expect, I don't know how many of you uh, you know, you, if you've traveled across the United States in an airplane, you, you kind of get a bird's eye view of everything, right? You know, you fly over and you say, oh, well, I'm over the, the Arizona deserts right now. And I'm kinda, and you get to the Midwest, you see farm country, you, you kind of do a flyover. We call it a flyover. Jesus is not doing a flyover. He's doing a walkthrough. He, he is going everywhere, touching everyone. He's going down every road. He's making his way to Jerusalem. He's doing exactly the opposite of a flyover. He is with everyone in minute detail. He's walking through their towns, talking to those people. He is journeying in a very, very, very personal way. He's not doing a flyover. And so in light of that, you might imagine we'll see many different kinds of people. Many different groups, many walks of life. And as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now it's absolutely essential that we put this into its perspective, its proper context. Leprosy during that day and time was effectively a death sentence. It could take years to claim someone's life. It's been identified in humanity since the earliest reported cases, 600 B.C., uh, in India, China, and Egypt. And in fact, it's still with us today in the form of a disease called Hansen's disease. The turn of the 19th century those of you that are familiar with the Hawaiian Islands know that Father Damien, a Belgian priest, uh, took it upon himself to minister to those with leprosy, with Hansen's disease on the island of Molokai. And if you travel to the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., each state is allowed to have two statues very important people in their history. Well, for the islands of Hawaii, Father Damien is one of them. Because of his selfless work, ministering to people that were often deposited in the ocean just off the shore of the island of Molokai and forced to swim ashore with anything that they could float. The disease was so deadly that it was considered a death sentence even in the 19th century. So these men, 10 of them, had a disease that during that time in a Jewish culture was not just a physical death sentence. It was an emotional death sentence. It was a philosophical death sentence. It was a social death sentence. It was a provisional death sentence. 
If you had leprosy, you were an outcast of society. Your own family would be forced to treat you as unclean. And in fact, the book of Leviticus reminds us that someone who had that was bound by law to pronounce everywhere that they went that they were unclean, lest someone come in contact with them and that they then would die themselves, this very slow and hideous death. But that was never God's plan. And so one might ask, why would we find in Scripture so many times this disease listed? Between the Old and New Testament, there are 68 references to leprosy. Why why would God highlight something so heinous, so difficult, When in fact, when you read in Genesis chapter 1, that when God created the entire world and put mankind on this earth, he declared that it was all good. Matter of fact, he took it a step further. He said it was very good. It was exceedingly good. What happened? Well, it wasn't just leprosy. We're actually told what happened. Adam sinned. And through Adam's sin, death entered into the world. And because of Adam's sin, all of us in Adam eventually die. And so leprosy has become a picture of sin, what it does how it affects us. None of us are completely free from it. We all have the same issue. Scripture reminds us, in Adam all die. When you take your first breath, you're on your way to taking your last breath. It's as simple as that. And whether it's COPD or heart disease or cancer or COVID or you get hit by a bus Every last one of us eventually is going to take our last breath unless the Lord comes and gets his church all together at once and then we'll be translated immediately into heaven. But the fact of the matter is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The penalty of sin is death. And so here you have Jesus dealing with this situation that comes into the world because of sin. And so it is a typological or a picture of, if you will, the problem that all of us face. There are 10 men, they're all dying. Now they're not all going to die at the same time. They're not going to all die from the same thing, the, the same condition. You see, interestingly enough, Hansen's disease, leprosy, is a beautiful picture of the struggle that you and I all have. Each one of us has the same problem. You see, you may not be struggling with the same things that I struggle with, and I may not be struggling with the same things that you struggle with, but the fact of the matter is, all of us have sin issues. For some, it's bitterness and anger and hate. For some, it's racism. For some, it's violence. For some, it's thievery. For some, it's lying. For some, it's all of those things and then some. 
Some people are better at sinning than others. They're professional sinners. You might say they're more dead than other people. But all have sinned. Uh, And so this mysterious debilitating disease that's caused by a a mycobacterium leprae, which is this bacterial agent that actually causes leprosy, is a beautiful picture of what happens when someone is born a sinner, which is all of us. You see, we used to think that leprosy was a disease in and of itself that caused all of these things that eventually overtook someone's body. But actually, we now know that as you, as you look at someone who has this horrible disease, the skin infections and the things that happen to them physically are actually a result of nerve damage. That this bacterium actually affects nerve endings. And what it does is desensitizes the people who have it to pain. And so ultimately they injured themselves not knowing that they can't feel the way they need to feel. They, they literally might be able to, in essence, hurt themselves in such a way that they don't feel it, but it's killing them. And so in that way, sin desensitizes. Sin ultimately causes corruption. Sin controls your life. Sin deforms you. Sin ultimately is the cause of your death. Because in sinlessness, we would live eternally. If you remember Adam and Eve when they were born, the generations directly after them lived a very long time, didn't they? It took sin a long time to take its toll on mankind. And so when you got leprosy, you began, in essence, to be so desensitized to pain, to the things that have been put in your life, that that ultimately you would just simply injure yourself. Those injuries would become infected, and then they would kill you. That's a very interesting view of sin, isn't it? You ever noticed how sin, when you engage in it, doesn't often immediately have an effect in your life? You know, you go to that party, you hook up with that person, you do those things. Maybe you steal that person's money. Perhaps you get into some violent confrontation. It may not immediately seem as though it's done anything. But have you ever noticed how after you do something once that you're not supposed to do, it becomes much easier to do it the second time, the third time, the fifth time, the tenth time, the ten thousandth time? You become desensitized to the very thing that initially was prominent in your life, and that was you knew it was wrong. There was initially a prick in your spirit that said, you really don't want to do this. You had sensitivity to sin. But just like leprosy, which steals your sensitivity to pain, so sin steals your sensitivity to truth, to honor, to glory, 
to the Lord's design and desire for you. Sin eventually desensitizes you in such a way that it no longer seems like the wrong thing. It no longer seems like it has any negative effect. And so when you look at the history of this disease in the world, it is perfect in understanding exactly what happens in our lives when we begin to become desensitized to sin. We wander around in the world very much like a leper would even today. Parts of Africa, Latin America, Asia, India, there's still tremendous problems with leprosy. And the strange thing that occurs, just, just as it did in the time of Father Damien in, in, on Molokai, is that these poor people think that this is perfectly normal. This is how everybody must live their life. Their desensitized state to pain becomes their reality. And so as they wander around life, they don't realize that they're missing a finger. They don't have any idea that their toes are gone. They don't know that their flesh is falling off. There's no sensitivity to the pain of it. Church, that is exactly what sin does in the life of every last human being. Pretty soon you don't realize what you're missing. If you happen to have the app out, I'm going to throw up a slide. It won't stay up too terribly long. They'll remove it fairly quickly via the live stream. But there's pictures here that are fairly disturbing if you're easily disturbed, so I'd encourage you not to look. But what does leprosy actually do? You see, when Hansen discovered this and realized what was going on, it then made perfect sense why people could have a toe that's coming off and they wouldn't even know it, would have fingers that are falling off and they would have no sensitivity to pain. It wouldn't do anything. And ultimately, though they wouldn't die from Hansen's disease, they would die from the effects of Hansen's disease. They wouldn't be able to feed themselves. They wouldn't be able to make a living. They wouldn't be able to harvest crops. They wouldn't be able to do anything. Ultimately, that disease infiltrated every part of their existence. Why is that important to us today? Because just like patients who would have Hansen's disease, when you become engaged in sinful behavior, when you get to that place to where you no longer have sensitivity to sin, when the pain comes out of your life, when your spiritual peripheral nervous system no longer functions the way it's supposed to, when you're not pierced of heart that something is wrong, then you don't realize that you're actually dying from the effects of that sin. That's why people end up in relationships that are going to kill them. That's why they take up behaviors that will destroy their life. They have no way to sense that pain any longer. 
Sin has desensitized them. Sin has destroyed their ability to recognize that it's even wrong. Great book, if you care to read it, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made by Dr. Paul Brand is a classic. And he did his doctoral studies in Hansen's disease, and he does a great job, and I encourage you if you want to, to read it. But as he looks at this issue, he really realized that ultimately when you start to think of what's going on here, some of the most beautiful things in our life come from our understanding of why pain is actually a good thing. Pain is a good thing to the person who uses pain properly. You see, we live in a world that tries to eliminate all sources of pain, don't we? You want to know why people struggle with opioid addiction? Very often they had back surgery, or very often they had some type of thing happen to them. And rather than deal with the pain, very often they end up taking drugs to try and kill the pain. Well, the pain's there primarily so that you don't re-injure yourself. So that you don't walk on that limb that needs extra support. So that you don't bend over when you shouldn't because your back has had a surgery. The pain has a purpose, in other words. And while it's perfectly acceptable in the near term during that initial phase of you know, you healing to have some type of support so that you're not in agony, ultimately, pain is designed by God as a way for you to know what will hurt you. Spiritually, it is the same with sin. The reason Scripture declares that sin, though pleasurable for a season, the end of it is death, the reason that is there is because initially, just like oxycodone might be for that back surgery, if you continue to do that over and over and over and over and over again, you will eventually need much larger doses of it. You will become dependent upon it. And pretty soon you will have no idea what you're doing to your body because your body has become desensitized to that essential element that we call pain that says, oh, I really shouldn't pick that thing up yet because my spine is not able to withstand that type of abuse. In the same way, for the body of Christ, for people who don't know the Lord as well, if we try and eliminate the painful things in life by going and sitting down at a bar and drinking ourselves into oblivion, by going down to your local dispensary and buying as much dope as you can possibly carry home in your car, which is an awful lot, if you end up going into a relationship with someone because rather than fix your marriage, which is in pain, you just say, well, I'm just going to go with someone else. Rather than looking at that situation in your workplace and saying, you know, maybe I need to change jobs, instead you decide to steal from your employer. 
Or instead of looking at that situation through the pain, you attempt to shortcut it. You see, that pain doesn't do you the good that it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be affecting you in such a way that you go, I'm not supposed to do that. I should be going a different direction. In other words, there is a purpose for our pain. You see, there's the power of the putrid, that's for sure. Your, your life has those things where you're supposed to go, man, that stinks. That's awful. That's diseased. That's why we have those pains in the first place. That's why you have the pain of a broken relationship. That's why that unforgiveness eats at you. That's why that bitterness rots your soul. That's why there's that little prick in your spirit when God says, now you really don't want to go there. You really don't want to do that. But if you don't listen to that still small voice, if you don't allow God to use the purpose of your pain to change you, then ultimately you end up in the same place that these lepers are. Just wandering around in a group of people who have now found someone who's just as miserable as they are because misery loves company. Amen? Now, I'm probably going to afflict a few of you right now. You know the old television show Friends? Um, That's actually not how most bars look. Just saying. It's not everybody sitting around, oh man, that was awesome. Where everybody knows my name, right? No, nobody knows your name. You're drunk out of your mind. You don't know their name. They don't know your name. And furthermore, nobody cares. And what they're talking about is not the wonderful things of the day. It's the deficiencies of their spouse. It's the rottenness of their job. It's the mindlessness of existence. And in a general sense, you're throwing out the pain of those things that should cause you to take up actions to do something about them. And instead, you're just numbing it. And the same is true for a lot of other behaviors. That's why people get into affairs. That's why people end up smoking dope. That's why people steal things. That's the basic problem with all of those issues. You're trying to fill a deficiency in your life with something that can never fill that deficiency. And so Jesus now meets these guys as he's journeying from Perea on his way to Jerusalem, and he is going to deal with their exact issues. They are going to meet the master in that sense and he's going to show them a miracle you see because misery does love company and you can always find people to be miserable with you you can start your own misery club you can get people together that will yeah that's happening to me too or you can look for a meeting with the master who can do miracles 
You got a choice. You can receive the wages of sin, which is death. Or you can receive the grace of God and the mercy of God and the healing of God and the touch of God and the restoration of the Lord. And so in this passage, it's interesting how this all unfolds. Because as they meet Jesus, all ten are in exactly the same circumstance. But we're not told that all of them are you know, missing the same body parts. We're not told that they all have the same infection. They're just all lepers. And there's one standout leper among them. Verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Say, what? You mean you don't have any magic balm? No pills? No salve? No bandages? No clubs? No health spas? No mineral water? No laying on the beach? No vacation? Jesus, in that sense doesn't do anything to them. He begins to work in a way of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to be a child of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and yet not seen. Amen? He asks them to exercise faith and faith alone. He doesn't say, I have a 12-step program for you. He doesn't say, you know, I got this miracle cream, man. Just, you need to go take a bath in this cream. In our day and time, you can just see somebody on the side of the road. CBD oil here. It seems to cure pretty much everything now, doesn't it? But what does he say? Go show yourselves to the priest. This chorus of lepers, what? You know, one of the other places where we, we meet a leper, his name is Naaman. You remember in 2 Kings chapter 5. What do you have to do? Step out in faith, go wash. It's just like, go wash, that's it. I don't have any balm, I, you know, I don't have any herbs, I don't have anything to smear on you, I don't have anything to give you. You've got to take a step of faith. Faith is the answer to sin. Faith is the answer to us being desensitized by this world. Faith is the answer to our problems. The things that ail us. Faith is the answer to your marriage problems, to your drug problems, to your problems of every shape and sort and size and kind. Faith in Christ Jesus, meeting the master, is the answer to your problems. Amen? So Jesus is, is actually saying to them, 
Look, I'm not going to do anything to you, but I am not afraid of any of you. All of you can receive this. I want to touch every last one of you. No rituals being performed. He didn't take them individually and lay hands on them or anoint them with oil. He simply said, exercise your faith. Go and show yourself to the priest. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal there? Well, here's the big deal. The priest would have been Jewish. These guys are lepers, and they have not yet been physically healed. So they are stepping out, still as lepers, going to see somebody who, if they were to meet them, the penalty for doing that could be death. They're unclean. And while they're taking those steps of faith, it is while they step in faith that they're healed. But they're not healed until they step out in faith. He didn't heal them and then say, go see the priest. He said, you go see the priest and you trust me that while you're on the way, you're going to be healed before you get there and you're not going to die. You see, that's faith. That's why when you come to faith in Christ, not everything is healed immediately, amen? Most of you can remember back to your salvation experience, I would imagine, and think of some of the things that were plaguing you in that moment, and maybe you still struggled with those things for a while. It was a step of faith that was leading you towards that place and time. You say, man, I got touched by the master. You had to step out and say, I believe, Lord. And that's what happened to these ten lepers. Verse 15, and one of them, because as they went, they were cleansed. They're in the second half of verse 14. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, notice what it says, so as it was As they went, they were cleansed. In other words, Jesus is over there. They're going that way to the priest. And as they're on the journey, this man is cleansed. He's clean now. He looks down. He sees, I'm healed. I'm cleansed. The step of faith did its job. That he returned And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. Notice what it says. And he was a Samaritan. In other words, he was doubly cursed. Not only did he have leprosy, but he was a Samaritan. The Jewish people hated the Samaritans. They were the remnants of the Assyrian invasion. And so as the Assyrians conquered the ten northern tribes, they they murdered all the men, and, and they raped the women, and the children born to the Assyrians, who were half Jewish and half Assyrian, were Samaritans. So the Jewish people look, well, you're this disgrace to our being chosen by God. You're a reminder of our disobedience. You're the reminder that we've been under bondage. The one who comes back 
was the one who had the most trouble, the biggest problems, was the biggest outcast, was the person who had fallen so far, if you would look at it that way. The one that was really in the most trouble as far as the Jewish people were concerned. And that's the audience. And so Jesus answered and said, we're not ten cleansed. This is where it touches everyone that's here today and everyone that's online. We're not ten cleansed. We're not 100%, in other words, of everyone that Jesus spoke this truth into there, were they not all cleansed? Every last one of them, all ten of them were cleansed. Now, there may have been one guy who just got leprosy in there. I don't know. Bible doesn't say. There could have been some real bad cases of leprosy in that group. There might have been some mild cases of leprosy in that group. There may have been somebody who just simply thought he identified, self-identified as a leper. It's kind of our big thing right now. I self-identify as a leper. We don't know. But we know what Jesus said. We're not there ten cleansed. But where are the nine? In other words, where are you? Where am I? Where are we? You see, I was dead. I was blind. I was lame. I couldn't walk. My life was a wreck. And Jesus touched me. The question becomes, are you going to come back and glorify the king? You see, we have a lot of people right now who are focused, I believe, on the wrong part of our existence. That's tough. Look, no, none of us, we don't like wearing masks. I don't like wearing masks. I don't like that you have to wear masks. I don't like that we're wearing masks. I certainly don't like that people are unemployed. I don't like that people are suffering. I don't like that people are dying. I don't like people. We had a million cases of COVID in this country last week. I hate that. But that's not the problem. The problem is all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, and there's only one answer to that. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's the reason that the Lord allows things to come into our lives that we don't like. Because the pain of those things points us towards the only solution. You see, if you're looking for a solution right now to all this madness that we're engaged in right now in our world, then you're going to be really, really, really disappointed when you find out we don't actually have a cure yet for COVID or we don't know what's going to happen to the economy or we're not positive what's going to happen in our political situation. If you're looking to the world to solve a God-sized problem, you're always going to come up short. So we look unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our what, church? What is our faith, amen? He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's not the author and finisher of all the stuff that we concern ourselves with. And again, those things are important in a day-to-day sense, but they are not the end. One day you're going to step out of time and into eternity, 
And it is only faith in Christ Jesus that's going to make that a blessing instead of a curse. And so Jesus is drawing attention. We're not all ten cleansed. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this one foreigner? The Jewish people were God's chosen people. They knew more about God than any any other people group on the face of the earth. They had the law. They had the prophets. They had a leg up in that sense. And in a very similar way, the church in our world has a leg up on the competition. We have the truth. We've been going, many of us have been going to church since we were maybe even born, but many of us a long time. Are we still glorifying God? Church, that's my word for you today. And he said to them, Arise and go your way, for your faith has made you well. Would you please underline that? In every circumstance, in every situation, your faith can make you well. Your faith makes you well. The certainty of my faith is what makes me well today. It's not all these other things that people are trying to point us towards right now. It is only my faith. I, I want to be like this one happy guy here at the end of this little short story. My faith has made me well. I know in whom I have believed that he is able to keep that which is committed unto him until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen? My faith has made me well. My faith in the Lord Jesus has made me well. It's not my faith in a vaccine. I'm grateful for all the work that's been put into the vaccines. I'm grateful for the frontline health care workers that put their life on the line every day to save other people's lives. I'm grateful to our police. I'm grateful to our military. I'm grateful we live in America, the, the most free place on the planet. I'm grateful for all these things. But ultimately, it is only my faith that makes all those things well. Because what profits it a man if he gains the whole world and loses his? So it is your faith that makes everything well. Amen? And if we get that part right, then these other things... The Lord will use, even if they are pain. Even if they hurt us. They're they're physically not things that we want. Even if they're difficult things, if we have faith, we have what it needs to endure every kind of pain and come out on the good side of it. And so I want to encourage you. Ask God to increase your faith. Be like this one happy guy that comes back and says, Lord, I'm healed. Lord, I'm going to heaven. Not, oh, what do I not have? But Lord, what I do have so far exceeds anything else that if I have Jesus, everything else is going to be okay. Amen? 
how we need to thank the Lord for the faith that we have in Christ Jesus that saved us. Would you stand and we'll pray together. If you're here today and and you don't know the Lord, we have prayer tents set up in the back. I would encourage you after service to go and just say, what do I need to do to know Jesus? And they'll give you a new believer's journey through the gospel and place your faith in him today. For the rest of us who know the Lord, let's be people of faith. Let's just trust the Lord. The church is being challenged right now. We're, we're, look at us. We're still having church, amen? Amen. Some ways, we're, we're still better off than most churches in the world. We can keep praising the King of kings, the Lord of lords, because he is worthy of it, amen? Father in heaven, we praise you. Lord, we pray, unified together, Lord, increase our faith. Make us people of faith. Help us to live lives of faith. Help us to walk in faith. Help us to express that faith to others. Lord, help us to not grow weary while well-doing in due season. We will reap, Lord. We thank you for this example of this one man. And Lord, we, we pray for those that might be like the nine. Lord, they they want to focus on the negative. They're not grateful. Lord, give us grateful hearts, thankful hearts. Thank you for saving us by your grace from our sin, which kills us. Thank you for giving us eternal life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.